the Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. Johnny McCaffrey, you may be my neighbor, but you are an obstinate, stubborn, pig-headed idiot. Says who? Says myself. Dunlevy, that's who. Dunlevy, you may be bigger than I am, and you may be stronger than I am, but there's no man in the county. And there's no man in Ireland can make me take off me cap if I don't want to. You better never try it, for I'll live and I'll die in me cap. The words of a stubborn man, Johnny McCaffrey, who spoke them, became at that moment a prophet. For some time within the next 24 hours, he would indeed be dead and in a way that would turn him into a kind of legend around Bally Canoe. In a moment, we'll examine the curious circumstances surrounding the disappearance of Johnny McCaffrey and the artifact he left behind. Such a significant artifact, it forms the title of tonight's crisis, The Tweed Cap, featuring our special guest star, Mr. Roddy McDowell. And now, tonight's tale of crisis, The Tweed Cap, starring Roddy McDowell. The town of Ballycanoe in Wexford County, Ireland, has a district court, and the presiding magistrate is required to hold a hearing under certain circumstances, such as a disappearance in which foul play is suspected. Wednesday morning, the courtroom is crowded. Johnny McCaffrey has disappeared. All right, all right, all right, gotta be quiet in here. Quiet. Now, the constable says he believes that Johnny McCaffrey may have met with some criminal act. Who saw him last? Uh, I, um, I, I, I think it was me, Your Honor. All right, Dunleavy. Come up. When did you see McCaffrey? Uh, <clears throat> uh, Monday night, at the run in Pheasant. What time? Oh, it's just before closing. And what took place? Mm, nothing much. We exchanged pleasantries. <laughs> That'll be enough. That'll be enough. So you exchanged uh, pleasantries. Well, it began that way. Oh, you'd best start at the beginning and tell it all, don't leave <sighs> All right, fine, Your Honor. Fine. Uh, well, as you know, Johnny McCaffrey and I, uh, we've been friends and neighbors going on for ten years now. In fact... I knew him before he lost his hair. What's that got to do with it? Oh, I'm coming to that. You see, Johnny was sensitive about going bald so young in his life. I sensed this, and I, I tried to help him to adjust to it. It was I who used to have heart-to-heart talks. But I'm only 21 years old, Dunleavy. Why did this have to happen to me? Yeah, Johnny, my lad, let me look at it this way. Any one of us can go around with a ruddy mane of hair, you know, showering dandruff on everything. But you, you'll stand out. You'll be like Yule Brenner. I don't want to be like Yule Brenner. I just want my hair back. Then buy yourself a wig. I'll be having no wig either, thank you. Uh, I tell you what. I tell you, look, why don't you go away for a while? You know, take a job up there in Dublin. For doing what? Well, I don't know anything. Stay the summer, then... When you come back sporting a fine shock of red hair, you can explain that you've been to this marvellous doctor and you've got some of your scalp problem all straightened out. Yeah, 
that that's what I'd do if I was going to buy a wig. But I'm not going to buy a wig. Ah, well then. And no thanks to you for your thoughtfulness. Johnny, me boy, you may have lost your red hair when you got that fever, but you didn't lose that stubborn streak that goes with it. No, indeed. (laughs) You certainly didn't lose your stubbornness. Then it uh, it was the fever that took his hair. Oh, that it was, Your Honor, it was. Left him bald as a soccer ball. All right, all right. Get along with your story. Well, as, as soon as Johnny was well enough to go out of doors, he went to town and he bought himself a cap. A tweed cap. was slightly oversized. It fitted down right over his ears. Aye, we've all seen the cap. Yes, well, it was that cap that began to get him into trouble. How do you mean? He refused to take it off. He wore it everywhere. He wore it to church. He wore it in church. We read in Ecclesiastes that there is a time for everything. There is a time for living and a time for dying. Take off your cap. Yes, my friends, we are told there is a season in which it is appropriate to do so. If you don't take it off, I'll take it off for you. There is a time for sight. And the time for reaping... Why, you are, idiot! You touch a flaming hand with this cap, and it's throw the stained glass window with you. There is a time for wearing a cap, and a time for bearing one's head in the church. is not the place to be wearing a cap. All right, all right. The cap goes, and I go with it. Let it be on your consciences, if you've got one, that your pious congregation of hypocrites and the pastor himself go John McCaffrey out of the Lord's own house. Yes, yes, we've all heard that one a thousand times. But what about Johnny's disappearance, Dunleavy? Can you shed some light on that? Oh, I was just getting to that, Your Honor. You see, Johnny became something of a social outcast. He refused to take off his cap. I mean, no matter where he was or what he was doing. He was in danger of becoming a recluse. A hermit. I know what a recluse is. Go on. Oh, yes, well. Well, well, being that I was a bit wiser in the ways of the world, Johnny naturally came to depend upon my help and judgment in, in matters of, uh, well, the heart. You mean in what? He wanted me to fix him up with a girl. Ah. And did you? Oh, yes, that I did. I delivered a load of me best peat up to Gory on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, oh, by the way, Your Honor, I mean, if, if you'd be needing any peat yourself... I'm still able to deliver a truckload anywhere this side of Blackstairs Mountain for only... I won't be turning me courtroom into a marketplace for your tape, Master Levy. Now, now skip over the, the, the advertising and get on with it. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, Your Honor, yes. Well, uh, as, as I was just saying, I delivered this load of peat up to Gory, and, and there were two good-looking girls who wanted to ride back to Ballycanoe in my truck uh, to see the cinema. And along the road... One of them asked me if I had a friend who would go with us. And right away, of course, I thought of poor old Johnny McCaffrey. Do you know him well, then? Oh, know him well. He's my neighbour right across the bog. Across the bog? The peat bog. (laughs) We haven't any peat bogs in Gordy. We haven't much of anything in Gordy. (laughs) Especially nice boys. Well, now you're going to like Johnny McCaffrey. (laughs) There he is, is he? Waiting over there under the lamp. The one in the cap? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the one in the cap. Hello, Johnny. Hello. C- come on aboard. Johnny, uh, meet Margaret and Colleen. <laughs> Johnny. Uh, hello, Colleen. <laughs> well, now, it's off we go to the cinema. 
With the four of us all riding in the truck cab, we soon became good friends. We decided to buy a snack before we saw the film, and it was plain to see that Margaret had fallen for Johnny. But we had no sooner found our seats in the cinema than Johnny's old trouble began. But just as it had done in church... Hey, mate, take off your cape. Johnny paid no attention. The girls pretended not to notice, but I knew there was going to be trouble. I said take the cap off. John, Johnny, steady now, steady. Maybe you didn't hear me. I said take the... That man behind us, he reached for Johnny's cap, and oh, that did it. Hands off the cap! Yes, I got the girls to safety, and a moment later, Johnny came hurtling out into the aisle, still clutching his precious tweed cap in both hands. <laughs> well, we'd have it with a cinema for that night. Colleen and I walked behind Margaret and Johnny. For a few minutes, nobody spoke. Finally, Margaret stopped, and so did Johnny, and I thought, oh, ho, that boof, this is where Johnny was going to get his lecture. But I was wrong. Johnny, I think you're wonderful. You, you do? I truly do. I've never seen a man stand up for his principles like you did back there. And, well, if you want to wear the silly cap, I think you ought to wear it. So there. At last, Johnny McCaffrey had found someone who agreed with him, who admired him for his stubbornness. <laughs> and I think I realized there and then that nobody would ever get Johnny out of that tweed cap as long as he lived. Well, now, Colleen and I, we saw a lot of each other after Margaret and Johnny's wedding. Oh, 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 oh yes, uh, they, they got married barely a fortnight after that night in the cinema. Moved into Johnny's little shanty across the peat bog from my place. I'll be reminding you, John Levy, that this is a hearing in a court of law and we can dispense with the uh, romantic details. Now, if you think you know anything about Johnny McCaffrey's whereabouts, will you get on with it, please? Oh, oh, yes, exactly, exactly, Your Honor. I'm coming right to that now. That's good. Right, it's no secret, I suppose, that, well, things didn't go too smoothly for Johnny and Margaret. For one thing, Johnny couldn't keep a job. And again, it was all on account of his cap. How's that? He wouldn't doff it. Oh. He wouldn't take it off at all. They all got into fights about it. It worried poor Margaret, we could see that. In fact, one day, when Colleen had been over visiting, she'd gone round the bog over to McCaffrey's to see Margaret, and when she came back... That's about Margaret. I think she's wishing now she'd never married Johnny. Oh, come on now. I'm surprised at you, Colleen, spreading vicious rumours like that. Rumours nothing. She told me herself not an hour ago. No, I don't want to hear about it. Oh, you it. don't? Because Johnny's your friend. You don't want to hear the truth about him, even if it's bad. The truth? Look, what are you saying? That man is as crazy as a loon. Crazy, is he? Do you know that Margaret has never seen him without that tweed cap on his head? Never. Never. Not even, uh... Well, on their honeymoon? Not even then. <laughs> well, I mean, surely he doesn't bathe with it on. My very words. And she said he wears it when he goes into the bathroom and he's wearing it when he comes out. Hmm. Well, it seems to me that it's Margaret's place as an understanding wife to realize that Johnny's very sensitive about losing all his hair. Sensitive? 
Wouldn't he let his own wife share in his feelings about it? If he was a sane man. I tell you, Margaret's ready to pack it all in. <laughs> Over a tweed cap? <laughs> oh, don't, don't be ridiculous. Unless someone can get him to come to his senses. Johnny McCaffrey is going to lose his darling wife. Well, now that got me to thinking. Now there I was, Johnny McCaffrey's best friend. It just seemed to me that the fates were pointing their fingers at me, saying, Dunleavy, it's up to you to help in any way you can. So, I worked out this little plan. I hope you're coming to the point of it. Oh, I am, I, Your Honour, I am, I am. See, the, the plan was this. Some way, by hook or crook, as they say, Johnny McCaffrey had to learn to live without his tweed cap. So, telling no one. I decided I'd take matters into my own hands. Now, being as we were neighbours, I knew his habits. It was lights out and into bed for Johnny by ten each night. And being a loud snorer, he advertised to the surrounding countryside when he was asleep. That's when I struck. I crept up to his bedroom window. And I slipped it open. Not making a sound, I stepped into his bedroom... There I noticed two things. One I expected, the other I didn't. Johnny was wearing his tweed cap in bed, asleep. That I expected. But Margaret was nowhere to be found. That I didn't expect. Oh, poor girl, I thought. She's had all of Johnny she can stand. She's left him. And there he sleeps the dumbbell, innocent as a babe. Well, my cause was clear. I stole over by the bed and gently... Removed his cap. Johnny didn't stir. I made my way back to the window. I got outside. And I ran around the peat bog and home. His cap tucked in my shirt. What did you do with the cap? I burned it in the grate. Oh, it's made the most awful stink. <laughs> and what happened when you found out about it? Oh, no, no, wait now and I'll tell you. I could hardly wait for the opening time at the running pheasant. There I sat, with me pint on me table, waiting for Johnny as I always did. Would he come in, his naked head gleaming under the lights for the first time, or would he be wearing some other strange kind of headgear, or would he come in at all? Suddenly, the door opened, and in he came. Hello, Dunleavy. Oh, uh... uh... Oh, ha, ha, ha. Hello, uh, Johnny. Why are you staring at me cap? Staring? Uh, was I? Aye, you was. Do you see something wrong with it? Wrong with it? No, no, I mean, why should there be something wrong with it? You're looking a wee bit pale, Don Levy, as if you'd seen a ghost. A ghost? Why would you be saying anything like that, Johnny, me boy? Is there something about my tweed cap? Uh, no. No, it's, uh... It looks the same as ever. Well, of course, I knew there and then that Johnny must have more than one tweed cap. For all I knew, he might have a cap for every day in the week. Because I knew the cap he was wearing the night before lay in cold ashes in my grate. Yet... There he was, wearing a tweed cap. I, uh, had a visitor last night. Ah, uh, did you know? A sneak thief. 
You don't say. He snatched my cap right off my head. Oh! Well, but how could that be? I mean, there you are, you're wearing it. Same, same as always. The thief evidently thought, I have only the one tweed cap. Well, yes. Yes, I expect he did. I expect he did think that, yes. How many do you really have? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, I mean, you brought it up. I won't be telling you or anyone else. It seems no one's to be trusted. Hmm. How's Margaret? In good health, I hope. You hope? Well, she took the bus back to Gory two nights ago. Said it was my tweed cap or her. And you let her go? She gave me no choice. Oh, Johnny McCaffrey, you may be my neighbor, but you're an obstinate, stubborn, pig-headed idiot. Says who? Says myself, Dunlevy, that's who. Dunlevy, you may be bigger than I am, and you may be stronger than I am, but there's no man in the county... There's no man in Ireland can make me take off me cap if I don't want to. And you better never try it, for I'll live and I'll die in me cap. What did you do then? I left him, drinking at the pub. When I went back to his house, and I ransacked it. Do you know what you're admitting? Oh, I do. I ransacked it until I found what I was looking for. I found ten identical tweed caps. And I stole them all, and I burned them. You're still not telling us what happened to Johnny McCaffrey. Well, if we could adjourn this here in your honor, I think we can find him. Would you like to come out to my place with me? Justice, why have you? Why have you? Put me out here on this paint bog of yours, Donald Avery. Looking for clues, Your Honor. Oh, there is a clue that's bound to be here. It better be. <sighs> you see, as I have it figured, Johnny went home from the pub the, uh, the night before last, and he discovered all his other caps had been pinched, right? The only one he owned was on his head. Only one other person knew that he had all those extra caps, right? And that was me. So, all fired up in his anger, he heads for my house. But he is so mad, he doesn't go around the peat bog. No, he starts right on through it. Watch yourself here. Look! There! Up ahead! What? What? Who? A tweed cap. So it is. I mean, look there. We're lying right on top of the peat. So, he did pass through here. I think not, Your Honor. But there's his cap. You can see it as well as I can. And you just finished saying you figured he'd cut through the bog instead of going round it. So, of course, he's been here. Mm. Uh, George, would, would you mind holding on to my hand here? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach over there and get that cap. Oh, no, no. Leave it to Livy. That's a clue. The police will want to have a look at that. I told you Johnny McCaffrey was a stubborn man, Judge. Remember what he said to me in the pub? I'll live in my cap and I'll die in it. Well, now come on. Let's have a look here. That there. There! What's that? What's that under the cap? Oh, the top of McCaffrey's head, Your Honor. Oh... Oh, I'm afraid he was so stubborn that when he discovered he was being pulled under by the suction in this peat bog, why, he didn't even bother to call out for help. 
Why? Because he knew only I would hear him. You mean he just let himself sink? He's still sinking, Judge. See? Oh! Oh, the bog's closed in over the top of his head now. Oh, can't even see where it was. I'm afraid I'm guilty of something. I mean, after all, I mean, it, 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 I'm the one who who drove him to cross that bog. Well, he wouldn't have done it if I hadn't stolen his caps. Aye, that's true. Oh, look, I never intended this to happen. I only took his caps for his own good. I mean, there's no law against that now, trying to help your fellow man now, is there? All right. I've reached my decision. <clears throat> in the district court in the town of Ballycanoe, County of Wexford, is now in session. Michael Dunleavy. Uh, uh, yes, Your Honor. Having considered the facts in this case, I hereby sentence you... Here, give me that cap. Hmm? What? Oh, oh, yes, here, here, take it. Well, it's really not much the worse for wear. A little soil, perhaps, around the sweatband, maybe. Very well. <clears throat> Michael Dunleavy, I sentence you to wear this tweed cap, this very cap, for the rest of your life. And so, justice is done in the town of Ballycanoe, County of Wexford, Republic of Ireland. In a moment, the names of tonight's players and a scene from next week's Crisis. Mr. Roddy McDowell starred in The Tweed Cap with Mark Wayne, Michael Morgan Dunn, Lee Posh, and Pat French. This is your writer-director, Jim French. Thanking you for joining us tonight and hoping we can count on you being with us again next Thursday evening at the same time when again we bring you Crisis. <laughs> <laughs>